Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 14th, 2016. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I have to say, I'm a little bit nervous. You should be. I am. I, I am nervous. You should always be nervous. Um, no, but I'm nervous for a very specific reason today. I, I looked at the show notes, and I'm not sure I'm happy with this. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready to go along with this. Well, I'll be honest, I'm not happy about this either. So the deal is, uh, uh, couldn't find any news going on in Poker World since we last talked to all of our old fans here. Um, you know, there's kind of like a rumor William Hill might be buying Poker Stars, but, you know, I'm one of my biggest beefs back when we were back in the newspaper, men was that we always talk about rumors. Yeah. And then when it actually happens, we have nothing to say. So yeah. I'm just going to wait for that to happen. But that was like the only thing I could really find out there in the poker world going on right now to talk about. And so I don't want to shortchange our listeners by jumping right into the boring anti-updates and then moving on to the rest of the show. So I want to fill the, the beginning here, what we normally call banter, at least on our show notes, you know, one of those hidden things that makes yeah. it sound like Behind the scenes. Right, exactly. So, um, yesterday I was like, you know what? People are always wanting to get to know us a little better, right? Oh, no. And so I'm like, why don't we play five questions with Chris Casenza? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, no, no, it's all, it's all poker, really. I'm not going to ask you, you know, about, you know, your favorite flavor of yogurt or anything stupid like that right but so it's gonna be poker related but right. uh, we're gonna have a little fun with this some will be fun but some will be not he didn't say serious nothing poker is serious right uh particularly an election year I'm like ah. yeah but yeah. um but all right so here we go five <coughs> questions the first one was going to be what's the better uh selfie soup nazi or president clinton but we already talked about <laughs> I, hate you. I hate you I hate you so much See, they don't know what you're talking about. They, we didn't no, re- I know they don't. But actually, some do, because O'Malley was like, hey, I didn't know Chris had a Facebook page. And I'm like, I didn't know he did either. So, some other stuff I don't know about you. But anyhow. Uh, all right, so here we go. Uh, question number one, Chris says, Who would you rather have berate you at the poker table, Phil Helmuth or Mike Matisau? Oh, easily Phil Helmuth. See, see what I'm saying? These are hard yeah. questions. Right? That one was easy, because, you know... That's like a bucket list stuff, you know. <laughs> I mean, Mike Matisau. Both are bucket list. But Mike, so that's why. Mike Matisau, you know, is known for, you know, just saying the kitty game down the street stuff. But I mean, Phil Helmuth. Did the that's, whole big cojones thing, the Greg Raymond. Yeah, you know, I know. He, he I really know. get in he there. Could, nasty. He could. But Helmuth, is, I mean, he's legendary for. It. They call him the brat for a reason, you know. Matisau is the mouth because he just talks, but the brat means there's some understanding there with that term, you know. At, yeah, yeah, Helmuth, Helmuth's the man. As a matter of fact, when we were first starting the show back in the Times days and we had the blog, they we had some sort of comments about me and Helmuth and stuff, you know what I mean? So being Helmuth or whatever. So, yeah, I think Helmuth ripping me apart would be cool. All right, well, I'm going to assume that most people would say that. Actually, these questions are good for folks to go to PokerRadius.com and, and start a conversation too, right? Yeah. So I'm going to say that Phil Helmuth would probably pull in the 75% on that question probably. Maybe. But but I do think there's a difference. I think Phil is kind of like, you know, he gets up and throws the chairs and, uh, you know, I can't, uh, unbelievable, and, you know, there's no lockout win every hand. And he's more like talking out loud, right? I've never really seen him attack somebody directly, where I think Mike Mattis would attack you directly. I don't think you watch enough poker. Then. Mostly because it's too lazy to get up and uh, <laughs> help you. Help clearly attacks people directly. I think you don't watch enough all poker right. at the right, right. But yeah, I would enjoy. I would enjoy him ripping me apart once. All right. Once. All right. Question two. See, uh, this is funny because um, I'm reliving back in the '90s. I 
uh, spent a semester in Washington, D.C., right? Uh-huh. This journalism thing. And all of our classes were held around the city at different places. And um, so I, I just posted on my Facebook page today a picture of me with John Walsh on the set of America's Most Wanted. Remember that show? Yes. Yeah, pretty cool. And I looked dashing back then in my 120 pounds. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but anyhow, I was just digging through stuff unrelated to that. Uh, um, you know, I saw I, I had an autograph from Larry King, which was pretty cool, right? And, but I remember my favorite thing I ever did there was going to see uh, the taping of the McLaughlin Group. You ever watch that show? Yes, I did. He just died. Uh, yeah, he just died. So yeah. I felt sad. Uh, that's why I'm bringing it up now because I kind of felt sad. I mean, actually, I don't really know him or I don't really care that much about him. But it was a fun show to actually go see. Question two. So that's where. That was a long way of getting into question two. You that was really good. Time, right? That was really good. Trying to fill time, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, question two. We all know Ace 10 is called the Casenza. I'm sorry, quotes. <laughs> and we all know you don't really like that hand. So after I kill you and take your half of the business, what poker hand do you want me to have engraved on your tombstone? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna have a tombstone, so <laughs> so I don't. You could carve it in the tree that I. You can carve it in the tree that I eventually become when they put me in the ground in one of those biopods. But um, <laughs> um, so you're getting to know more about you today. Yeah, let's do the. Uh, I would do the nine ten. Nine ten. Nine ten of spades. Uh, it's my birthday. Nine ten is my birthday, and uh, it's it's like the hand that I. Jack ten is like my favorite hand to play, but I'd rather be known by nine ten because that's my birthday. So it makes sense to be known by nine ten. So See, this is what I thought. I knew. I remember all the conversation we've had about this. That Jack ten is your your actual real favorite. Hand. Right. Nobody's so gonna go there, or whether you had some other kind of. So, see, I'm learning something. <laughs> so you got you to carve it into the tree for me, but you got to wait till the tree gets tall enough and big enough and healthy enough to do it. So I don't think you're going to be around that long to do it. So have someone, like your nephew, come down and carve it for me. We'll put it in the time set, the safety carver time capsule. Yeah, the time capsule, exactly. You know, and uh, again, I'm not trying to fill time here. I'm just very good at it. But, you know, I went to the Rutherford B. Hayes Presidential Museum on the Strict of Ohio, and I went up to Hollywood Toledo Casino, right? Right. And uh, one of the displays there was a time capsule that he had put in the ground, and they opened 100 years later, I think, or something like that, right? Boring stuff. You yeah. know, you think when you open up a time capsule, there's going to be something exciting in it, something yeah. different, but it was like, you know, a couple of newspaper clippings, and that's about it. The real problem, half the time, is that when they put these time capsules together, they try to put meaning behind everything they put in the time capsule, but they never explain anyone what the meaning is. So 100 years later, you see a pair of boxing gloves, and you're like, well, what does this mean? I have no idea what this means. Right, right, right. Even- you should put like a, a, a user's manual in there, right? Yeah, exactly, or some sort of document that explains right. it. You know, uh, here's a little more trivia this to fill the show. You know, the last MASH episode ever filmed mm-hmm. was not the last MASH you saw. The last MASH was the time capsule episode, ah. and they put all these random things in there. They let these stand for this, and one of them was the, uh, the uh, Father Mulcahy's boxing gloves. And they're like, let these stand for in the future if they don't want to fight, you know. And, you know, instead of doing war, let them fight among themselves. Or I mean, it's just, it's like, okay, how are they going to know that in 100 years when they open it up and there's just a pair of boxing gloves in there? So, yeah, time capsules are, are useless unless you explain it to people. Other little known fact, uh, Chris will tell you that MASH was filmed in, near Temecula, California, but we all know that's not correct. That's not correct. It was, it was the mountains of... But they're the same mountains. I mean, they look the same, I mean. You know, I mean, they looked just like the mountains in MASH. But uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the other thing I, I think is really interesting about ten nine being the hand that you talk about is, is this will come up in later in question four here, and I probably should have it edited because you said that, but it's going to come up again, and okay. I didn't even know it. So okay, it's, it's kind of like we share a brain, which is really scary. It is really scary there. All right, question three: player most likely to get you to leave the poker room? Bad breath, Bobby, B O Oscar, Chatty Charlie. Or unreal, unreal Ulysses. <laughs> um, uh, the guy who's got bad breath. Bad breath. Yeah, if I'm physically uncomfortable, I, I'm more likely to leave. So bad breath over bo. Oh, well, let me ask you a question: Does the guy with the bad breath is he talking to me? Hey, well, how else do you know he has bad breath? Yeah, okay. So if he's got bad breath and he's leaning into me and stuff, I'm making an excuse to get out of there. If he's got bo. It, it's a toss-up, man. That's tough. If you know, I be- think some people would say it's probably the same thing, but it's not. Right? I know, I, I know. Bad breath could be like just dragon-like, right? Yeah. Or bo is is. It, trust <clears throat> me, I don't like the bo either. But 
But there's something about breath that's just even worse than B.O. All right, I'm, I'm going to have to change my answer then. Yourself. You know why? Because I could probably make it so that the guy doesn't talk to me. You know, if I just ignore him. What, what if he talks to somebody else, though? Yeah, but he might be talking the other way, maybe. There's yeah, a chance that his breath might not come at me, whereas the other stuff it's emitting, there's nothing I can do. So, yeah, I'm going to say the B.O. guy is the one that's going to ask me for either table change or just to leave altogether. All right. That's probably what I'd go with, too. Although yeah. the chatty really, really annoys me, too. Yeah, I don't think I would leave, though. i just take his chips and make him shut up. Yeah, maybe B.O. I can actually get up and walk around maybe in between hands, and uh, but Chatty just really, like, it, it's like it, it bores through your head. And what was Ulysses? What was that one? Unreal. Unreal! Oh, yeah, just some complainer and stuff? Yeah, yeah no, that wouldn't make me. That happens every time I go to sit down and play poker. <laughs> maybe it's you. I have time. I'm the one doing it, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't be complaining about that. I actually why I put that out there. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right. Question four. When you get to hell, what will be the worst eternal damnation? The only poker game is Omaha 8, or the only stud 8 starting hand you ever get is 10-9-4 rainbow. <laughs> uh, the stud hand 8 is probably the worst. Because, I knew you were going to go there. Because I can play the other game. I just choose not to. It's not hell for me. I mean, you know, yeah, at least I'm playing poker. You know, <laughs> if they said you had to fold every hand... You know, or no, it would be you pick a third choice. Rolled up aces and stud, and you have to fold every hand oh, yeah, for yeah, eternity. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get too crazy there. Well, I, you see, I kind of think the devil's going to be kind of a somewhat nice guy, right? You know, like, I don't think he's terrible. He's got a heart. So. Think about how fun hell's going to be, though. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I made that decision long ago. <laughs> Just think how good life is now, knowing that I don't have to worry about it, right? Oh man, that's hilarious! Uh, all right, so studying. All right, so far I've you're learning a lot. I didn't know the ten nine, but I think I've done well on the other one so far with you. We gotta remember it's nine ten because my birthday is September tenth. Oh, that's so true. It's, so it's not if it's not ten nine. I'm not October ninth. Matter it's in the hands. I know, but the people will think my birthday is October 9th and they'll send me pizza yeah. on the wrong day. Well, no, maybe they'll send it to you on two days. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Double shot pizza. All right, now I really honestly have no idea where, where you're going to go on number five here. So, okay. um, uh, question five. Invite one, just one, one of these following rounders characters to the Andy Up Home game. Worm, Teddy KJB. KGB. KGB. <laughs> or Joe. Or Joe. Uh, Teddy KGB because I know his tell. Yeah, right. and he and that over the top accent would have me cracking up between hands and and uh, yeah, because Worm would cheat all take all the money from me, or we'd go to jail for beating his ass for stealing money from us. So I don't want that. I don't want Joe at the game because who cares? Yeah, so who exactly in our home game is going to be beating his ass besides you, right? Yeah, I'm really doing. I'm one pretty that. sure he's going to win that argument. Yeah, no, no, but I, still, I'd be at the game, so I'm the one going to jail. Is so. Why throwing punches? There? Yeah, no, no, it's not gonna happen. no, I'd have to be the one doing it. But uh, yeah, and your doctor Frank's just going to be sitting there not helping. Yeah, you know? with his arms folded. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, we're getting an email now. I could tell. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't. I don't all right, now, would your answer change if I banned Oreos from being served at the home game? Um, hmm. Can we give them Hydrex? <laughs> or Nutter Butters? <laughs> we still got to pull them apart and eat them, right? I mean, there's still a cookie there somewhere that he could pull apart and eat. Um, no, I think, th- I think that's still my answer. I mean, you know, Worm is a cheater. He's not a good poker player, but he's, he'll just cheat, you know? Somehow he'll figure it out. See, I put a lot of thought on these because Worm obviously would be fun, I think, right? Fun yeah, cheap, as long right? as he's not you sticking your money. Yeah. Right? Uh, Teddy KGB, obviously, you know, before I banned Oreos, you're right, he has to tell, you know, and you're right, he would be entertaining with that fake accent that's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, plus, we could ask him about being John Malkovich, you know, on some of the other movies. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but he's also by far the best player. Yeah, that's true, right? too. So that stuff, right? And then Joe, of course, fetching Gretchen Mall uh, would be easy on the eyes, but would probably just be annoying us the entire time, right? By yeah, to quit playing. So yeah, she'd say, you know, hey, I, I told you, you know, when you fold a good hand, you know, no one to fold, and I'm like, no, I don't want to hear all your freaking colloquialisms. Just get out of my game. 
She'd make no, me leave the yeah, game more than B.O. Then I think we could probably beat her in poker. Oh, yeah, sure. Unless she just like folded out of spite every hand. I could see her doing that. Yeah, then all you're doing is picking up her blinds. You're not going to make enough money that way. Right, right. Yeah, no, I don't want to. If, now, if you had said, nah, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, think, I really think KGB's the guy. I think he's all the right. one I want in the game. But, all right. I might have gotten four out of five on that. Well, really? I guess I know you better than I thought I did. So. Well, you sounded surprised in the beginning, so I thought maybe there was a few you weren't getting there, but four out of five. That's not. That's well, like a dental survey for a Trident. I put a lot of effort into that six minutes I put that. I know. That was fantastic. That took up a good 14 minutes of the show. You did a good job. <laughs> well, I may pay you back on the favor someday. We'll see. I don't know. Um, we'll know. I was, I, was, I was a little nervous there. I was a little... Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I wasn't going to embarrass you. Uh, no, I know. But still, you never know what is going to come out of this, you know? True, true. Never know. You plus, well. plus, you're like texting me or emailing me like, you know, some are serious. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? But all right, that was fun. Like you know, hey, what, what Oregon do you have to give up? You know? <laughs> which uh, which rounder star would you rather lose your virginity to? <laughs> you know, Teddy KGB. Uh. All right, any updates? The Annie Poker Tour will be returning to Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, with a nine-event series that runs October 28th to November 9th and ends with an $800 buy-in, 100k guarantee main event, the winner of which will appear on the cover of Annie Magazine. Call 601-663-1040 to get player hotel rates of $49 Sunday through Thursday and $69 Friday through Saturday. For all details, visit AnnieUpMagazine.com slash Pearl River. Can I interrupt you quickly just to say those are phenomenal hotel rates? I I was thinking it as I was saying it. I mean, seriously, that's incredible. And it's a beautiful place. Yeah, they put $70 million into this uh, resort last year. Just absolutely gorgeous. Rooms are beyond anything. And forty nine bucks. I just spent fifty eight dollars for the world's worst red roof inn in Toledo last week. So <laughs> please trust me when I say that's going to be the best forty nine dollar room we've ever stayed in. That's so, fantastic. Come out and see us in Mississippi. All right, we have eight wonderful Annie Up Poker cruises on the schedule now, including a fourteen night transatlantic to Barcelona, a weekend warrior cruise, a summer cruise, and many more. Get all details, including how you can win your way on board at AnnieUpCruises dot com. All passengers will get a commemorative coin souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by thepokerdepot.com and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. And finally, join AnnieUpPokerRoom.com and compete for weekly cash in the monthly winners tournaments for $500 in cash and prizes. AnnieUpPokerRoom.com costs $14.95 a month and is open to players in 25 states where sweepstakes laws allow play. All right, you find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us at podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Our good buddy Vic. Yeah, before you jump into it, I'm just going to say people probably noticed that we skipped over the listener spot. All right, we have not skipped it. It's going to be at the end of this because it's a twofer from Vic G. Twofer from Vic G. Call the floor turns into a listener spotlight. (laughs) So that's synergy, folks. That's what we call synergy. Oh, man. So he says... uh, Are you a New Girl fan? Do you watch New Girl? uh, No, I watched a little bit of the first season, then I kind of got away from it. I hear it's still good, so I might get back to it. Awesome. But they did this crossover thing this week where the Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Nine-Nine-Nine-Seven, whatever the that is, those guys were on there. Yeah. That's not a good show. New Girl, awesome. I'm a big Zoe fan, though, so... Of course, yeah, absolutely. New Girl's amazing. Yeah. All right, here we go. He says, I'm (laughs) I'm playing a 1-3 cash game in a Mississippi Mississippi casino. He heads up on the river, or it heads up on the river, and Seat 8 tosses out two $25 chips. Seat 5 picks up a stack of red $5 chips, extends his arm, and cuts out two stacks of five chips each, then pulls his arm back. The bet is not across the line on the table, which is not a betting line, as we all know. Seat 8 tables his hand, 8-5, for a two-pair on a 10-high board. Seat 5 grabs his bet and casually starts shuffling the chips, asking why Seat 8 tabled his hand. Seat 8 says he was called and that the chips crossed the line. Seat 1 chimes in, saying that he was watching and the chips did not cross the line. Opinions are given and the floor is called. More heated opinions are given by everyone but the dealer. The floor asks if the chips were flat on the table. Again, more heated opinions from three or four players at the table, all defending seat five's actions. Seat eight is hot and says he's leaving. The floor says it's his choice. 
Seat 5 folds and the pot is pushed to seat 8 who racks up and leaves. I can only conclude that the casino had no cameras or that the floor was too lazy to call the eye in the sky and relied 100% on the opinions of the players in the hand. I also viewed seat 5 as an angle shooter and could not believe that the table came to his defense. His intention was clearly to call. He says, ah, yo betting line. <laughs> uh, you said, quote, the bet is not across the line on the table, which is not a betting line as we all know. Apparently we all don't know that. It's not uncommon in poker rooms with lines on tables to enforce rules in a way that means only chips across the line are to be in the pot. That seems to be the rule in the room you were playing in based upon your description of events. Your conclusions were all erroneous at best. The casino does, in fact, have surveillance cameras, and I'm pretty certain that the supervisor wasn't too lazy to call for assistance. Furthermore, I'm sure seat 5's intention was not to call, but to take advantage of the possibility that seat 8 didn't know the rule or is too excited to be fully paying attention to the placement of the chips on the table relative to the line. Okay, so I'm going to have a little bit of an issue with this. All right, good. I'm sure uh, Big is too. <laughs> th- yeah, well, this is the whole get to know Chris episode. So Chris <laughs> feels that when someone takes chips and extends his arm forward with the chips and cuts out what it sounds like a raise to me. I'm sorry. You said two stacks of five chips. That's that's ten five dollar chips. That's a fifth. That's fifty bucks, right? Oh, no, he tossed out two twenty fives before. I thought he was thinking, yeah. all right. So that to me, you extend your arm. You're making a forward motion with chips and leaving them there. That's a call. How is that not a call? All right, uh, I will say in follow-ups with Vic G, and I don't know if this changes your opinion at all, but in follow-ups with him, he admitted that the player had been leaning back when his hand went for, arm went forward. So his arm actually was not any farther forward than it normally would be. He just happened to be leaning back in his chair. Um, and secondly, he cut out the chips behind his cards. Okay, so he They're cut out the chips behind his cards, but then... I need to know what the chips did, not what he did. If those chips moved forward and he released them at any point, betting lines are not the betting lines. Well, they clearly are right in front of his chip stack, but they are behind his cards. No, I, I, I'm saying, though, but if he cuts out two stacks of five and extends his arm with those chips in his hand... No, his put, hand was extended with the stacks, and then he cut them out. Oh, okay. So, all right. So he didn't have the chips, then extend them. He extended his arm. No, the, no No. matter how he does it, he's moving chips forward, I believe right? my understanding was that he picked the chips up from his chip stack, leaned back in his chair, and then extended his arm forward to actually put them between his chip stack and his cards, where he counted them out. And then all hell broke loose. All right. If he's keeping them in that area, that's one thing. I'm just trying to give you the... Yeah, no. It's just the second sentence of our call of four says, Seat 5 picks up a stack of five red $5 chips, extends his arm, and cuts out two chips. Exactly. And then pulls his arm back. To me, that's forward and backward with chips. No matter where he's keeping his cards and everything, he went forward with chips. You don't think the cards make a difference. So you do not allow players to cut out chips at all. You have to cut them out in your stack? You, have, you can cut them out horizontally. You can't push the stack forward and leave them out there. That's well, a call. He pulled his chips forward and then counted out and cut out the chips behind his cards. Well, the extended so arm thing is really... cutting out his chips if you're not allowing him to cut out chips if he has to do them, okay, so them behind the chip stack? Okay, so let's look down at your keyboard right now that's in front of you and I imagine am. that those are your chips. Yes. And your cards are... What behind the chips? Because I'm sorry, in Derby Lane, you're all in if you're doing that. By the way, so I would say my my chip stack is where my mouse pad is. Okay, so your chips are there, and your cards and are to the left. And the cards are on the the line of numbers. If you know, the so you're the one, two, three, four, five, yeah, right? so you're allowed to so take I'm the chips. My, I'm cutting out my chips in the actual QWERTY part of the keyboard. Yeah, so if you're going horizontally from where the stack is and counting them out. That's not going forward with them. All right, so you're saying off to the side. What if you don't have room off to the side? What if you're crammed in the table and everybody's chips are right there? Well, it's different if you um, put them down, like immediately, if you're putting them down in front of the stack and you're not moving them forward away from the stack. It sounds to me, he said, when you say extend arm, it's not within your hand's movement. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. We're talking your arm. Your arm is 16 inches from the elbow to the fingertips. <laughs> You know what I mean? We're talking I a good distance. But yeah, 
So if he leans back and then does it, he's still making a forward motion. I don't care how where you are in your seat. You're moving those chips forward and cutting them out. It's okay, one thing to cut them out right next to. Does it mean anything to you? All right, so you're telling me that the cards are in in front of him. He leans back with the chips and then extends them behind the cards. How does he even doing that? Well, because his cards are in front of his chip stack, like they normally are. Okay, then what I'm trying to get at. Okay, is, then I go past his cards wrong with cutting out your chips behind your cards. Yeah, I've they, always yeah. considered cards to be the line of action. Yeah, if, you, if they were behind, see, that's not the way it's written. That, that actually does enforce the betting line. Which yeah, is yeah. If they're behind his cards, cards that's fine. Line of action. If they're so behind his cards, that's fine. Circus trips behind your cards, but as soon as chips go in front of your cards. That's your action. Okay. And you don't have to keep trying to extend the show. I agree with you. I'm trying to agree with you. If they're behind the cards, I agree with you. It's just, it, it's not written that way. It's not written that way. If it, It's written as if he did it in Moon Mouse. So. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't call if he's doing it, no matter what his body's doing. If the chips are still relatively where they're supposed to be on the table and they're not way up by the line, you know what I mean, then, then they're not betting. He's doing stuff back here and he's, Figuring out whether or not how much that is of a stack when he looks at it and he's cutting them out and seeing how much exactly. it, whatever. But but if he had the chips in his hand, he has a stack of ten in his hand, and he goes past his cards or past his chips and cuts them out and then pulls his arm back and leaves them there. That's a call. But it's so it's not written as well to explain it that way. If he's doing them behind his cards and he's, he can do whatever he wants behind his cards. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of my point. Right? Yeah. Okay. But it just seems like you can't extend your arm and do stuff behind your cards. It's impossible. If you if you lean back, you're gonna fall in your seat. I mean, it just it's kind of I don't know. Sounds kind of silly. I mean, it's possible that this that he is right that the intention was to call and this is kind of an angle shot and that, so it, I, I'm leaving open the possibility of that. I guess my part I. My problem with what Vic said is his intention was to clearly call, and I don't think that's the case because people cut their chips behind their cards all the time, ponder it, look for a reaction, as Elliot says. That's all part of poker, right? Yeah, yeah. The player's going to do, <clears throat> and then all right, I guess I, I need to call, and then you push the chips forward or say call at that point, and you complete your action. So I do think that Elliot is correct that CA kind of jumped the gun here. He he interpreted interpreted. The actions of this player as a call before the dealer announced it as one, and turned his cards over, and unfortunately was at the mercy of the ruling. Then, um, and certainly going to the the eye in the sky and all that, I don't think makes any difference if, if no one is arguing that his chips never crossed his cards. Yeah, yeah. I, I as it's long as it happened in that area. Yeah, it's, it wasn't written that way, so that's why I got all blustery and everything. But. If if he clearly was just cutting them, and even if he moved them around and stuff, as long as they're within his area and they're not in front of everything that belongs to him, and moving forward at that point and being let go, then yeah, then I you got to be careful with that. You got you can't just automatically assume that's a call. Um, but yeah, and especially with all those people getting upset, you know, it's like it seems like there was something angle shot there. I mean, I don't know, but well, I can see how this is. I can see how this situation can escalate pretty quickly, right? Yeah, uh, certainly. I'm putting myself in the shoes of the guy who was cutting his chips. I can see how you can get really upset when someone said you called when I know I obviously didn't. Yeah. I was doing what most people normally do was cutting my chips here and, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I could also put myself in the seat of the guy who tapled his hands saying, come on, everything you did indicated to me that you were calling other than the fact that you didn't actually say call. So... So I put myself in either one of seats, and I can see them both accusing the other one of being the most deplorable person on the earth, right? Yeah. When really they're not. It's just a miscommunication, and then that just escalating. And obviously, at a poker table, everybody has an opinion about something. <clears throat> and certainly when you've been playing for a while, you've already developed opinions on who you like and who you don't like, right? So you can immediately take sides in this and then see it escalate. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. All right, here, well, here we go. It, it seems weird to do the intro to this now because I know it's sort of an extension of it, but each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we give them something cool. So Vic says, what do you do when someone accidentally tables a winning hand before you complete your action? Have you ever shoved in hopes that they'd fold? And I have an interesting story about this. I don't All know. Right. Good, good. Um, uh, a lot of people may remember some of our listeners, uh, JLB Socks, our friend Jason, yeah, who, yeah. who used to live in Connecticut, but now he actually lives in Cutter, 
uh, I think. I don't think he's actually come back yet or is going to come back. I'm not sure. But when I used to go to Connecticut. I used to go in there playing their home game. I did, I did it like three times and uh, had a blast. Ben and uh, and the guys. So even um, uh, what's his name would be in there too? Uh, uh, Blas. Blasman. So we had a nice little home game going. Every time I'd go up there, we'd play and have some fun. So one day, uh, Jason's dad is on my right, and we're playing No Limit Hold'em. It's a tournament, though. And he accidentally tabled his hand. And I knew I couldn't beat what he tabled. And I thought about it. And I said, you know what? And I just said, I feel bad. This is terrible, and I'm, I can't do this to you. So I know I can't beat your hand, and I'm not going to shove and make you fold. And I showed my hand. I said it out loud. I said all of that. And so I set it up so that Chris wouldn't do that to someone who tabled a hand that could beat his and would feel bad about it. So literally, like, about an hour later, we're playing cash now. We're not playing a tournament anymore. And somebody tabled their hand too early, and I couldn't beat it. And it was no limit. And I shoved, and he folded. And it wasn't him. It was someone else in the home game. So I have done it, but I I set it up so that they knew... Hey, Chris wouldn't do that because he didn't do it before, so why would he do it now? And that's when I used that information to do it later. I couldn't be – somebody had, um, like, a better kicker than me on a hand or something. So I re-raised him a bunch, like, all in or something, and then he he folded. And so it worked. But uh, I, I never – I've other than that, I've ne- I can't remember ever doing it. But it was so weird. It happened twice in one night, and I ended up using that information in the back of my head to, to know I wasn't going to get called because of how I acted earlier. Um but I don't know. Have you ever done that? Right. So uh, this is interesting that you that, that story. I didn't know about the story before, but uh, because when I gave my answer to Vic, he's like, "Whoa, I think Chris is not going to agree with you, Scott." And I don't think a lot of the listeners are going to agree with you. Right? Oh. And I'm like, I totally agree with you. I agree with you, Vic, that no one's going to agree with me. But, <laughs> so I think there's two things here. Obviously, when this happens, well, three, I guess you could have the same hand, right? But um, either you you have a better hand than the hand that's been tabled, right? Mm-hmm. So now the decision is, do I raise more and try to get... What, what's the most I can get out of this player knowing that I can't lose now, right? Right. The other option is that, that you're losing, right? So there's no way you're going to win now unless you make a big bet and get them to fold knowing that they know that you've seen it. So it's kind of a game of chicken, right? Right. So uh, on the first one, I mean, on the if I have a losing hand, I told him uh, I don't know if I have the the guts to actually shove all my chips in when I know the only way I'm going to win is for them to fold. I get why people would do it, and obviously it puts some doubt in that player's mind, and maybe they will fold because uh, they're really at a, a very weak position at that point, right? Right. Um, but I don't know whether I have that in me to do that. Now, certain situations, I probably could. But uh, so that answers the question because the question is actually if, if they tabled the winning end. So that actually answers the question. So you don't think you'd have the guts to do it, is what you're saying? Right. Okay. So where he was surprised is in the other situation. Now I know I've got the best hand. I've got a flush, and the person has a straight. Right. Um, I told him that I know poker is a blood sport, but uh, I prefer to play it. Uh, as a gentleman game and unless this player that exposed his hand has just been ticking me off all night and I want to teach him a lesson mm-hmm. um, I am probably uh, not going to raise or or do anything like that and try to take advantage of the situation I'm going to simply just table my hand as well and be happy with the pot well see it's not that I'm going to disagree with that because I'm not I, I, what I'm going to say though is the other person could be doing this now to you. Like, what if they did it regularly? Or now people could well, know yeah, that you're a nice guy. Right? That's more information now. So Right, but other people could do it to you now. You know what I mean? Other people say, oh, Scott's contemplating on tail my hand that he called. He won't call me if he's losing. I, I guess in a long con way that it, it would, it, that would happen. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen again the same night. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how it started so out that way. Purpose and try to, oh, hey, you know, hey, uh, this is an easy way for me just to... You know, go to showdown without Scott putting money in. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But again, that that's what happens when you're a nice guy. You get taken advantage of from time to time, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so and I'm fine with that. Um, I like I said, the, the first time I did it was a tournament, and I just felt bad. Uh, his father is a you know a good guy. He lives in he lives a lot of time down here in our county, um, and he was just a nice guy. And you know, he's older, 
And uh, I just didn't want to do anything there. I just like no. But then later on, it was with a younger guy in the table, and I was just like, you know, it's a cash game. It's not a tournament. I can fade that one hand in a tournament, but in a cash game, I want to win some money tonight. And and I thought, here's a good way. You know, it's it's a game of information. You know, and somebody no, shows their yeah, hand absolutely. by accident, or they're not paying attention. It's their problem, not mine. And and I clarified to Vic that I have absolutely no problem with somebody doing it, other than the way I would do. It. Right, right. Yeah, it is a blood sport. So I mean, yeah. you're there to win. If somebody made a mistake, then you know, if they made a mistake in their betting. You should take advantage of them, right? So there shouldn't be any reason not to take advantage of someone in this situation, other than just that's my scruples. But yeah. I don't criticize anybody for doing that. Um, but and I also completely understand that when I make a mistake at the table, that I need to pay the consequences for it, right? So you know, if I accidentally table my hand and someone wants to shove on me and put me to a test. Yeah, that's on me. I made yep. a mistake, right? Yep. So made a mistake. I'm not going to think of you as a lesser person for making me exploiting my mistake. I'm going to think less of myself for making the mistake in the first place. Yeah, because here's the other thing. I don't want to extend it any longer than I need to, but you know, if, if somebody somebody shows you a hand that you know you can't beat, but you were thinking about calling, and they showed you the hand, you're like, oh, I can't beat it. I'll fold. Well, wait a minute. Now that's almost the exact same thing. You're you're getting information and acting accordingly to that information. So, you know, you would have called. You don't say, "I'll do the gentleman thing" because I was gonna call, even though that's I'm beating. Too. Yeah, that's so, the difference. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm so, not to that level. Excuse yeah, I know. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, these are always my favorite episodes because we get to complete O'Malley's move. So here we go. Here comes part one again. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are still in that $2-$5 game from last episode. We took a huge pot, but have since lost several and are now only up 100. We sit with 6. The button straddles, the small blind calls, the big blind calls, under the gun and MP fold, and we're in the cutoff with the king of diamonds, queen of diamonds. This is probably a raising hand in this situation, but after losing a few hundred, a man can get a little gun-shy. We call. The button checks, and with $40 in the pot, the flop is the king of clubs, eight of spades, four of diamonds. The small blind checks, and the big blind bets 30. He started the hand with 435. The big blind is a solid player, but he can be a little too tight. We're going to raise it up. We make it $75 to go. The button folds, the small blind folds, and the big blind thinks for a short time before calling. The pot is just under 200 at 190, and the turn is the deuce of hearts. Once again, the big blind checks. We're going to stab at it again. We make it 125 to go. The big blind thinks for a lot longer on this decision. Does he think we flopped a set? He calls. The pot is 440, and the river is the nine of diamonds. Once again, the big blind checks. What's the move? Uh, no draws got there, and the only draw that could have gotten there was a wheel draw. Uh, and I'm not sure what would compel a tight, solid player to bet out on the flop and then call a raise and turn bet with a wheel draw. So it sounds to me like he has a king. And now we have to figure out how big of one. Uh, I can't see two pair being this pensive at any step, so it's clearly a naked king. One ace-king beats us. One king-queen ties us and all others lose to us. I suppose it's possible he's really tight and been trading carefully, but it just doesn't make sense to me. So either we're chopping or winning, and regardless, I can't see us getting raised. So I'm going to bet 250 Skittles. Yeah, you know, I, I know I'm going to get flamed for this, but I'm I'm really you happy with... everything on the show tonight. I'm really happy with tight. checking behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just feels like we can only beat a bluff. And we won't get called by a lesser hand. So I really think I want to check here. I know I'm going to get, why aren't you value betting? I don't know, but it just feels like something is amiss. So I'm just going to check behind. All right. All right, here we go. Part two. Hello again. What's the move here? Betting. Betting was the right move here. This solid but tight and somewhat timid player is so obviously playing ace-king, it's sickening. I made one big mistake here. I knew we were outkicked, I knew he thought we could have flopped a set, and I knew the only way to win this pot was with a shove. But there's still that chance he calls and we lose more than we have to. We check behind. Our opponent turns over the ace-king of hearts as ours drop. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes the obvious right move isn't always the easiest. 
I hope to see you on the felt. Like a Yoda, right? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not so sure Easting was as obvious there as O'Malley made it sound like. I mean, clearly it was one of the hands that I was considering, but I don't think it was obvious that he had it there. Um, but as I said, I would have bet, and I'm not changing my mind now. So, um, what we don't know now is since he didn't bet, we don't know what would have happened had we bet. Yeah, that's true. I, I do think Ace-King calls there, so check, save us money. I don't know if it calls your 250 bet. I will admit that. that. That was a pretty good bet. But if somebody was making just a little less, maybe they bet 100 or something, yeah. I think Ace-King calls there. So, um, And if we couldn't put them on Ace-King, then how can I put them on, on a specific – you know what I mean? If, if we can't put them on Ace-King, then how do we put them on a specific action? That was right. what I meant to that's say. True, enough, too. You know? yeah. So if I, if I can't say he would or wouldn't call, then how – you know what I mean? I can't tell. So I, I think a check really saves me money there. Um, I think a bet gets called because I it can't put him on the hand. So, yeah. but, but, uh, what's curious here now, and I mean, you can't in the moment you probably could ask the guy, but you know, you don't know really the answer. But this is what's great about poker is you never really know the answer right now. Yeah. But I'm curious as to what a what bet would have won is that pot, if any. Yeah. yeah. It's possible he might have called the show. I doubt it, but it's possible he could have. And it's possible he could have folded for less than two fifty. Yeah, so yeah. we'll never know. But all right, all right, it's time for hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. This week's prize is an upgraded membership to PokerRadius.com, poker's best social networking site and home in the anti-up group discussions. And uh, the Chris Cassetta show ends right now. <laughs> Because this is going to be a hand from our good friend Jeff Hayashi, and it's an eight sixteen limit hand. Oh man! Yes. You didn't think I was going to have all the fun this week. No. Although now I'm in hell, right? Oh, no, that was Omaha. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That was Omaha. Turtle damnation. You have to analyze only 816 living hands. Uh, all right. So he says he's dealt king of clubs, ten of clubs in middle position, and it's folded to him. That's a quick start. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't like this hand at all. Matter of fact, I have a very specific story for a king, ten of clubs at... I knew you'd find a way to turn this into the Chris Cassetta. Yeah, at uh, I remember it was at Foxwoods, and it was like the first hand I was dealt, and I played it. I ended up losing like fifty-five bucks on one hand in a one-two game, playing this hand because it was stupid. I got I got out kicked, and I was like, "Why did I play that?" High? It was the first hand I sat down with too. Like right away, my stack is cut in half. Cause I bought in for like a hundred or something. So I don't like this hand at all. I know it's limit. So I don't know, but I I don't I don't know if I'm gonna play it I would probably just call and hope that a lot of people other calls so right, I can draw to something. Wow, okay. Now I think this is a clear razor fold here. I okay, think you just limp here. I mean, so I can defend a fold because you're right; it's a weak hand, um, but it is limit, so I, you have ability to get away from it uh, without losing your whole stack here. And um, well, then I'm folding. I'm folding because I was going to fold this hand because I don't right, like this right. hand. So folding is fine. Uh, I probably in middle position. I don't know how many is in this hand. I don't think he said. So that kind of makes a difference too, I guess. But but um, I think I might raise here just to, to see what's going on. And for you, of course, you know me. I like to raise a lot with the wide yeah. range that makes people not really know what I'm doing. Yeah, so. especially limit. Yeah. So the fact that I, I've got a hand here that could um, flop really big, um, this is definitely a raising hand for me in middle position. We'll see what happens. All right. All right, uh, our hero raises, and it says only the small blind and big blind calls. So we're three-handed. Uh, he says the villain in the hand is primarily the big blind. So we played a lot together. He's a solid player, will not get out of line too often, is more on the tighter side. All the more reason I'm going to raise now. Uh, he views me as a solid, tight, aggressive player. We have similar games, but I definitely play more hands than he does. Flop is he queen of clubs, seven of diamonds, four of hearts, and small blind checks, but the big blind bets. And there's a call in between us. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Small blind checks, big blind bets. On us now. Well, you know, this is not no limit hold'em. I mean, it, it's it's one thing that you took control of the hand early, and if you three-bet him, he's not going anywhere. And then what are you going to do? You're going to bet, bet, he's going to call, call, and you're going to have to catch, catch. I mean, it's just this, this is not... You know, I mean, this is this is not something I can do. I, I don't play this game this way. It's a limit. I try to save bets, not lose them. I have nothing here, nothing. It's a forty-eight dollar pot, and now he's bet eight, so it's fifty-six. Yeah, I can eight to get 
seven to one on my money or whatever, but to what? To get running clubs, running straight, hopefully hit the king. And you know, I just I'm done with the hand. I mean, I know I raise and but calling is not going to do anything. It's not like you can raise here and hope for a free card. You know, you have to catch perfect to get the free card to catch perfect again. I just don't see any any win here. Um, I don't know. I mean, unless this is the type of player that if I call and then he checks, but he he most of the time they're going to call the last two sixteens. There's already fifty six in the pot. If you call here, it's going to be sixty four in the pot. They're going to check to you, and you're going to try to fake and bet with a you know something crappy comes, and then he's going to call again because he's got you know queen jack in his hand or something. He's not going anywhere. I just I can't I can't do it. I'm folding. Ah, see, this is why I like limit. This is the clear raise for me here. Yeah, and but you have raise. nothing now. You you have to go runner runner for this guy. He's not going to go anywhere. I no, it's not that I have nothing. I I raise preflop, so I have a air of having a decent hand. So no one knows that I missed this flop, right? Yeah. So he, I think Queen Jack is a perfect hand to put uh, this guy. Not that I'm going to put him on a specific hand, but it's. That's probably a good bet for what he has, right? And so he doesn't know whether I have ace-queen, right? So I'm going to raise here because um, that queen of clubs actually helps my hand somewhat. Uh, you're right. I'm still going to have to get runner-runner probably to win this hand. Uh, not necessarily, and I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, for the most part, I, I, I'm probably going to. But the reason I'm going to raise here now is because it's going to set up my free card on the turn. Right, I understand the free card. And if I get one of my Broadway cards, if I get one of my clubs, then I have the option of taking a free card. Um, if I get a king, now I've got two pair. Or, that's right, I don't have two pair. Um, now I have a king and he had queen jack or something. Now things have changed a little bit. So I, I've got some options here. Um, I definitely don't want to call here because you're right, I have nothing right now. So now I'm just throwing a bet away. I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to call another bet on the turn before I actually have a hand that can win. So I'm not going to call. Um, I could fold here, but I already raised pre-flop, and I think this is a good spot because I have position to raise. So I think folding was weak as well, too. So I think this is a pretty clear raise for me. See, I I can see what you're saying in the sense that if you raise now, this guy, knowing that you raised pre-flop, he knows you raised pre-flop, and he still was willing to bet into you. So this guy... Well, that could be a probing bet. He could find a, you know, hey. Yeah, I, I understand. Anything here. I understand. Because um, you're right, because there are players like you that would not raise here, right? Right. So the probing bet actually works on some players. Um, and if he thinks that we're a solid, tight, aggressive player, he might think that it might work on us. So um, there are reasons for the big blind to bet here without a hand or without a big hand. I think I would need more information on these players before I played it this way. If, if I'm sitting down with a bunch of strangers and the guy just bets out out of the blinds, knowing that I raised preflop and doesn't even care, yeah, probing bet for $8, though, I mean, that's not really going to uh, deteriorate into, okay, hey, you know, this guy's clearly a terrible player and I'm just betting into him and I'm going to find that information out in a limit game. You know, it's going to be something that's going to make make you look bad right and, and and it's just the, the fact that you're betting into somebody who raised preflop in a limit game i don't know i just don't see what you're, you're accomplishing there a probing bet for eight bucks and you've already called a raise for eight you've got to have something you know it's one thing if it was right, just all limped in as a queen you're right but uh, he's not going anywhere so he's gonna have to force me off the hand again later somehow and if it's just a heads up thing if it ends up being heads up you know i just can't see this guy folding for 16 16 he called a raise then bet into you i I, I see what you're saying, though. I know what you're saying. And believe me, you get the free card, maybe. Maybe. And if you do get the free card, you go, and if it doesn't help you, and then he checks you again, you bet 16. He's not folding 16 for a 60-something well, dollar here's pot. here's the thing, too. So let's say the turn is a card that helps me. It's a Broadway or a club, right? Right, right. Even if I don't get the free card, I'm not going anywhere, right? Right so now, you're not going anywhere. I'm put the money in. Right. So, you know, it doesn't... The, the fact that I can get a free card is just like an extra bonus that could happen. It's just that when you and if I miss on the next card, I'm not putting another dime in this pot, right? And I, I waged a good fight for three bets of this, and it didn't pan out, and that happens a limit. The two things that I want to argue with there then is one, Lee Jones, when he describes the free bet, it's because you're trying to get 
a, you're trying to complete a hand that is very, 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 yeah, this hand is way off from that. And then the other thing is that we always talk about saving bets in this game. And we're literally wasting a bet to hope to steal it later in well, a limit game. Wasting a bet. It, well, you know what I mean. You're putting an extra way, bet that you don't need to do. In the no limit, right? So no yeah, limit, I know. you can push your stack in at any time and then push the bet out of a hand. Here, you, you only have a one bet at a time, so you have to be strategic about them. So yeah, it seems like it's a wasted bet now because we don't have anything now. But it's setting us up to get uh, a free card potentially. It's setting us up to build a pot if we actually hit a card that's going to help us. And then we still have to hope that the river is nice. But there's a strategic reason that I'm raising with this hand here and that bet, um, even though I don't have a hand right now. So it, at the end of the hand, yeah, it may not work out. And, and, and clearly it would be a wasted bet. But um, And there are wasted bets that there's no hope of doing anything. So let's say the, the Queen of Clubs wasn't there, and it was like the, I don't know. Nine six, of hearts. Six of hearts or yeah. something, right? Yeah. You know... Raising there now that that I would clearly say is a wasted bet. Right, because there's no nothing for you. Has at the end. something, right? Because he's not going to bet into us. You know, even the probing bet is it's the chances that he has nothing are pretty weak, but it's possible. So he has something, and then now our only hope of <clears throat> catching is to hit a king or a ten, which is a, a big mistake that my players make all the time trying to get an overpair. So that would be a wasted bet, but I, I think there's some strategy involved in the bet here. It may end up not winning us the pot, but I still don't consider that a waste. Okay. Um, all right. Well, what does he do? I, I haven't talked about that. All right, yet. he calls. So he's completely crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> God, no, God, uh, he just does something. You were going to fold. I was going to raise. He calls. So right. like I said, I, I think call just you know it just this is almost a crying call without the river crying call, right? Yeah. And this is just like, eh, maybe something will happen on the turn. Here, here's eight more bucks. That's what I like. It doesn't take control of the hand or anything like that. Um, the one thing it does do is now the small blind calls as well, too. So I guess it keeps more money in the pot in case we get lucky and things come up. But um, but now it makes it harder for us to win. Now we really need to go run a runner to win this pot, right? Yeah, because then multiple, multiple yeah, so way. And... We kept a, an extra player in the pot that, you know, could win there. I mean, that's now there's 72 in the pod, so even if I got a pair, I'm not folded now for 16 16. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's that's limit, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, that you're right. The raise may, man, what if the raise would have kept a small blind out? I would think it would be because the small blind would have to have a, a really good hand at that point to call because he doesn't know what the big blind's going to do, right? Yeah, yeah, because the big blind bet out. So we have to give some credence to the fact that he might three bet, um, and then then you'd be facing another bet cold coming back because uh, right. our hero our, race again, yeah, right? Yeah. So then then you got to commit. Hey, I'm going to put a lot of money in his hand. So you have to have something really big there. So that's kind of another reason that you raise there because you're, you're pretty much icing the small blind out, unless he has a monster. And if he has a monster, then then that's great information to know, right? I'm putting five six out there already. I I just especially the small blind or the big five, blind. Yeah. I'm putting five six already out there because really, what are these blinds calling with and then betting and calling? You know, I mean, I I feel like that a draw. That's the only draw that's out there. So I'm gonna say five six is live right here. All right. Right here says I feel that either the small blind or big blind might take a stab at this pot with any pair, but I'm pretty sure neither is very strong. So that's what I've checked, and I don't see two pair on this board. Yeah, I don't see two pair on the board either. No. But I do see a five six, you know, connector, suited connectors kind of hand that came along. You know, we'll see. Okay. All right, the turn is the Jack of Clubs. So our board now is Queen of Clubs, Seven of Diamonds, Four of Hearts, Jack of Clubs. Pretty much the most beautiful card we could have seen there, right? Yeah. Um in fact he says this might be the best turn cards in the deck for me. Yeah. <laughs> um and the small blind checks and the big blind continues to bet. Now it's on us. Um, well, now I don't know if it's worth raising. I mean, because you can't bluff him on the end. You know, I mean, if he doesn't get there, if you miss everything, there's no way the guy's going to fold for one bet. Now, he's still betting in. He's clearly got something. Got something, right, yep. So he's not going anywhere, so why not just call and then let him bet into you again on the river when you make your hand and then and raise him. And he had Queen Jack, which both you and I said, now he's got two pair, right? Yeah. So he's definitely not going anywhere, so I'm just going to call. Because, like I said, if, if he... Even if, if we raise, he's not going anywhere. He's betting into us again. And then on the river, he's going to check call 16 easy. This pot's so big. 
if he's if he's bold, emboldened to bet twice now into us who raise free, he's not afraid of us at all. So I don't think raising gets us anything. We're not going to get a free card. If anything, you're just opening up the betting again. So I'm just going to call. Oh, the other reason not to, to raise now is now now we've got massive draws here. We want the small blind to stay in. Yeah, we need the money. So it's the exact opposite of what we would have done in the other one. We were trying to get the small blind out. Now we want the small blind in. Yep, yep. I'm just calling now. Calling the 16. Um, and our hero raises. So he actually does the opposite of what I would have done. I would have raised on the flop, and he called. And I would have checked, and I called here on the turn, and he raised. So wow, it's like Bizarro World. Yeah. Um, now I get what you're trying to do with the raise. Now, now you're like, now you're going to put some doubt in the big blind's hand that that card really helped. Um, you still need some help, though. You know, we still have nothing. We have King High right now. Right. Um. But uh, the problem is, is, is what you mentioned is. So even if we get the big blind to so we'll draw the small blind out of here probably, right? right? So even if we get the big blind to check the river, we have to improve to win or we're going to throw a bet in there. And it's not like No Limit where you can bet and bluff and win this pot. That 16 bucks, we obviously know this guy has something, right? So he's not going to fold for that one bet. I so agree. you're going to have to hit to win this pot by raising now. And so that means you put an extra bet in that you didn't need to here. I agree. All right. Uh, small blind does fold, and the big blind, after thinking about 10 seconds, calls. All right, so he's not super strong. Okay. Oh, man. Here says, my plan is to fire whatever comes on the river. <clears throat> the river is the eight of hearts. So our final board, queen of clubs, seven of diamonds, four of hearts, jack of clubs, eight of hearts, and the big blind checks. You can't win unless you bet. So you gotta, you gotta I guess bet, you got to put right? a bet, but I don't know how this guy's going to fold for yeah, 16. That's kind of the problem. We kind of painted ourselves in this corner now where we had to hit the Yeah, wheel. you have to hit now. You have to bet on me now, so. Yeah, and there's too much money in there not to bet and hope that maybe he folds. Yeah. Um, all right, our hero bets the 16, and after 30 seconds or so, um, which he says is a long tank for the limit hold'em, the big blind folds. Oh, no way. He says it clearly has some kind of queen. Smaller pairs would have folded on earlier streets and probably quicker than the river. My big draw turn allowed me to represent ace king. And when I miss the river, I can still take it down with a bet. Thoughts? Wow, that's crazy! That's super tight on his opponents. I mean, that was sixty-four dollars on the last street, and on to seventy-two, one hundred and thirty-six dollar pot, and then sixteen on top of that, so forty-six fifty-two. So it's one hundred and fifty. You're getting ten to one on your money, and you bet out twice on two streets, and now you fold. Yeah, this is the problem. Even if you have Queen Deuce here, which is possible, I guess, right? You know, whatever. Um, this is a limit. This is you have to make this call. Because you're only going to be, you only have to be right once in every ten hands there to make money off. Yeah. And you, this was what this is the one that you were right. Oh man. Yeah, that's. By calling here, you would allow yourself to make this call another nine hands and lose, and still be up. and still be profitable. That was that's a horrible fold. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. This is hell. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's me. I'm the other guy. I'm the one who bet it the whole way, then folds. I keep losing ten percent of my or twenty percent of my stack or something every hand, and I sit there and lose in for eternity. Because there's no way I fold there. I mean, we don't know what he has. That's a thing. But still, the only way I can see this guy, no, because I said five six, right? That completes the straight. So he didn't have five six. Small blind's probably kicking himself. He probably had five six. <laughs> um, but really, he had to have a pair there. He yeah, had to have a pair. It was a queen, and it ended up not being as strong a queen as we thought, maybe. So, yeah, queen. Queen 10, queen 9. Yeah, something like that. And wow. I just thought when we raised it, we actually must have had something better than that, and it wasn't worth it. But wow. See, this is why I really like Limit, though, because in No Limit, um, and I admit that No Limit's a much different, difficult game, because in No Limit, not only do you have to figure out when to bet or raise, but how much. That, right. that amount is what you have to focus in on. Limit's so much more clinical, I think. Here, I mean, you don't you don't have to worry about the bet. The bet's decided for you. You just have to decide when to bet, when to raise. And so here, I mean, this is a great lesson for limit players. You can't fold there. You can't. No. With anything, I mean, if you had if you had any queen at all, you had to call there. And it sucks, but you have to. And then sometimes you'll find out that yeah, uh, somebody is. Trying to push you off a hand with nothing, and you win the pot. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. 
And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.